Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dally Boys of What Culture here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a round of the week. Complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Cedric and Jets, we are gathered here today to predict the AEW Revolution 2022 card. It goes down on March 6th, though. We are just over three weeks away. Sid, how are you feeling about it? Oh, I've been hyped about different AEW pay-per-views in the past mm-hmm. to a much bigger level than this, if I'm being perfectly honest. It doesn't help that the main event doesn't have enough juice yet. It doesn't help that a certain grudge match, which we're going to really revel about talking, um, has far more heat behind it. And the title pictures elsewhere mm. are not exactly clear. Um, certain grudge matches underneath are starting to really heat, heat up now. I can't tell if it's just been a lackluster period of AEW television or if we're just not being patient enough. I guess next week we'll really answer that question. But for now, let's do that job for them. Yeah, I don't want to um, undermine the content we're about to produce, <laughs> but it's not actually an ideal thing to still be so speculative about a pay-per-view three weeks away. Um, it's a very WWE thing. It's been normalised by the opposition at very least. But typically, especially when you've got such a long cycle of dynamites between the quarterly shows or however many they are a year, you shouldn't really have so much of the card, not unknown, but like still very theoretical. Mm. Yes, there are some really cool, meaty things that we're going to get to dig into here. But a lot of it is open-ended. We're going to try and speculate and predict based on educated guesses or on the likelihood of pairings at this juncture. But I can't remember a time where it's felt so open-ended for so much of the card. It's... I think this just speaks to some of the criticisms of the last couple of months of AEW being valid. The sense of a, a bit of a lack of focus, a slight taking of the eye off the ball. I don't think we'd be here had those things not been true. Let's start with the title matches then, Sid. Fairly obvious, uh, especially following Dynamite this week, that we are getting Adam Cole challenging Hangman Page. How do you see it playing out? Um, I called this one several months ago, actually, not to be a complete 
dickhead about it, but I did <laughs> sense that this was going to be the direction. I didn't think they would take this long to arrive at it. Ultimately, at this point, I'm not as high on the prospect as I would have been had you told me this was a direction following All Out 2021. It's a great match on paper. It's one we haven't seen yet. They've got like a really interesting, but like not a shared journey, but a very similar one. I think there's lots to play with that they've not yet really begun to explore. They've done the hard job. They've firmly established Adam Cole as a pay-per-view level headliner by virtue of his winning streak. Um, but in typical AEW fashion, and I'm a fan of this, he's had a really sprawling path where it's incorporated Orange Cassidy. A lot of the intrigue in terms of his um, character progression pertains to the Young Bucks and his potentially taking over the elite from mm. Kenny Omega one day, all of which isn't. Adam Cole versus Hangman Page. We've only just sort of settled on that direction as of this week, and it was intimated last, if it wasn't quite obvious before. This is a really long-winded way of saying they need to juice this up. Um, they can do it in the classic ways. They can get their various bodies, in terms of Adam Cole as various like sort of goons, if you like, to start just beating them up getting some heat on Adam Cole, making it look um, like he's got no chance of winning with the constant threat of interference. You can bring in former associates of Hangman Page to sort of settle that up and create a ripple effect on the undercard. Um, but for now, it just doesn't feel on that like intangible, I can't wait for this level, um, like a proper headline-worthy main event. I've got no doubt it'll be exceptional. Long as well. Adam Cole likes a long match. Um but I just, I'm not too excited about it at present. I think they're going to get where there with this eventually. Um, although there is, I guess, not much time to do that mm. now. I do expect the, the, the benefit of only having sort of three dynamites left or three rampages or whatever is that you've you can kind of do a beat down, a cool maybe face to face promo segment of some description, and then a video package. Let's just say hypothetically, you've got each of those three things, and all of them can be effective in their own ways. But um, I sort of mentioned this on the Dynamite uh, review mm -hmm. when it came to Cole and um, Page facing off for the first time. Something they can do with the Hangman Page storyline, and especially using Adam Cole, is suggest that he has had to become what the rival is in order to retain his title. So he's had to effectively become the perfect professional wrestler over 90 grueling minutes with Brian Danielson, and then he had to become the perfect street fighter come bloodbath guy, Texas deathmatch guy mm. with Lance Archer in order to win that match. Adam Cole will, as he is a student of the game, will have looked at those two things and should project onto Hangman Page his inner weaknesses. He should project onto him that, well, I'm a bigger star than you will ever be. You should feel panicked. Just because you could be a barroom brawler, just because you be a wrestler, it doesn't mean that you're a star. When I walk out, all I have to do is say my name and a building goes wild. When you walk out, are people even bothered that you're the champion anymore? What's cool about that is that not only does it sort of undermine Hangman Page's confidence, but it implies that Kenny Omega was beaten by a guy that wasn't even a star. And a lot of Adam Cole's long game is gradually mm. booting Kenny Omega from that catbird seat in the elite. So I like, I think that they can play with what, to, in Cole's mind, will be an obvious difference, but in the fans' mind, and it's something that AEW critics have said before. Remember when um, Danielson and Punk and Cole and all that was happening? Everybody's forgotten about Hangman Page. Comes out, bops. Sets pay per records with Kenny Mate. Like all the stuff, mm. all the objective evidence is there that Hangman Page is this beloved figure. But it makes sense in Cole's mind that he would rationalize, you're just not on my level. And you kind of get Page to prove it all over again. The money, well, the smart way to book Hangman Page is proven to be pretend he's still chasing. He's yeah. got to beat Brian Danielson. He's got to survive Archer. Now he's got to prove himself against Adam Cole. That seems to be the strategy with how you get this babyface to still 
he's not as hot as he was going in against Omega, but like, how will you at least mirror that mm. run up to the pay per view? Uh, from the men's to the women's world title, Britt Baker uh, has run through almost everyone, almost everyone, though. Yeah, the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match is just one of those wonderful exhibitions of, we say this a lot now, the let it play out philosophy actually being brought back by AEW because you can't apply it to WWE anymore. You'll kind of have your heart broken or you'll be let down or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, the lights out stipulation, as used quite cheekily recently with Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy, was exploited to absolute perfection when it came to Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker's lights out match last year. Britt Baker was given was given the beating of her life, but like all great beatings, the loser got over and she was able to go in and win the AEW title. In the meantime, Thunder Rosa has been the unfortunate one to just find obstacle or just find sludge to swim through that has stopped her being able to get to this. She's been the wrestler Britt Baker has initially, like on the sly, tried to avoid and is now doing it overtly by paying somebody to come in and take her out of action to beat her, to knock her down the rankings, to do everything she can physically, mentally, and emotionally, to stop her getting the match. The fact that Thunder Rosa will overcome not just the obstacles from the last year, but this last obstacle in the form of Mercedes Martinez to get the shot, tease it up perfectly as well. And because the original match was so great, there's already precedent that suggests that this is going to rule on the night. Could this be the moment that Britt Baker loses her title? I would say so. It's gone on for quite some time. I don't think there's much room with which to manoeuvre at this mm. point, hence why we finally arrived at the Thunder Rosa rematch. And if you look at the work that they've been doing in conjunction with building Thunder Rosa very quietly, Hamlet makes a great point, like, let it play out as a value in AEW and it's a meme in WWE. Because <laughs> um, if Britt Baker drops the title, Thunder Rosa can do X, Y, and Z with it, but they've already been quietly building stuff to do with Britt Baker when she drops it, and the Jamie Hayter thing has been teased ad nauseum at this point. Mm -hmm. um, she could initially portray a heel and just blast Mercedes Martinez for failing to do the job she was paid to do. They could have a match. Nothing to do with Rebel. No offense. She's great as like a second, but I don't really want to see her in a singles match. I don't really want to see her in a trios match. And um, that's a weird booking device they um, resort to at certain points. But there's loads of stuff left to do for Britt Baker outside of the title picture. And if you want to be lazy about it, and sometimes AEW is, you can realistically just do very easy title match booking. It's the easiest sort of thing to book, but they've, they've been doing the hard yards like sort of in the meantime uh, in terms of the tag titles Jurassic Express are a team who constantly defend those tag titles and yet in terms of picking a pay-per-view opponent for them you're kind of spoiled for choice yeah this is difficult because the team I really want to see face them at the pay-per-view I want them to be the new champions and it doesn't really feel like this Jurassic Express title reign has gone on long enough for it to feel like it's going to be of any benefit to what it's ultimately about, and that's the rise of Jungle Boy. Um, I really like the idea of long title reigns. I think there's certainly a value in subverting that with a shock switch every now and then, but I really like the, the value that a long title reign has. Now AEW holds it quite dear. It builds prestige. It creates the idea that once you win this, it's not just a free pass to book acts. They continue to put in the work, and the longer that the reign goes the harder they seem to beat, which informs the accomplishment of the next team who beats them. So I really like that. Are they trying to fast-track fast that by having them doing lots of defences, do well, you think? Well, that is a good point, and it's one that potentially might hold true. It still feels way too soon for them to drop the titles. I've been enjoying them, but they're not. The quickest way to find out who is a star and who isn't in AEW where titles actually mean something is to put a title on an act, because the second you see the titles on Lucha Bros and Jurassic Express, you think... That's nice, but it's not the Young Bucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. So I do worry about 
the um, the long-term title reign and how much it's ultimately going to mean, but I do think they deserve a crack to go a little bit longer, which kind of makes this difficult. Um, I want a House of Black or the Kings of the Black Throne, mm-hmm. whichever one way around it is, mm-hmm. to ultimately beat them. I'm just in love with that act. I think they could they hold incredible potential. So I wouldn't do that just yet. I've had an idea for the longest time, and it's kind of a cheeky way to book things, but you get value all around. FTR are currently ranked. I know they've just got beat, but they can just, you know, it's AW, I'm not being funny, they can go on dark for three weeks and get back at number one. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're number one. I like the idea because FTR are so great and they have such great chemistry with Jurassic Express in particular of them going on to Revolution. doesn't seem necessarily like viable now that they've just lost to Mox and Punk, but they can lose and lose and lose these big title matches. One day, turn around and say, we've not been the same since full gear 2020. Let's go and chin the Young Bucks. That's what we need to do. That's where it all started going wrong for us. But if it's not FTR and it's not the Kings of the Black Throne, I don't think it's a Young Bucks either because I've got another idea for them. Mm. I'm stuck. Hamlet, help me out. Well, to be honest, I would have said the Kings of the Black Throne if it wasn't for the fact that um, I honestly saw the them losing the titles as a result of maybe Christian turning on Jungle Boy. This idea that um, what had once been this obviously, you know, apprentice relationship with mm-hmm. the two of them has gradually turned where Jungle Boy doesn't need Christian's tutelage so much anymore. Christian gets wind of that. You like draw that out a little bit, but the teasers just haven't really been there. If anything, Christian's been doing the arrogant stuff to the other teams in the field. And then Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have been beating the teams <laughs> yeah. and proving him correct. It's not been one of the things where he's been talking them into trouble. He's been talking them into matches, but they've won the matches. They've not really had any struggles. The one that felt as if it was actually going to lead to a divide was the Dark Order, and that's only because they were baby faces. and you kind of don't want to see Christian negging other good guys. But in terms of fighting, you know, the gun club or whoever, it's just been other heels, other loser teams for the most part as well that they've kind of had to not fudge the numbers with, but just boost them because of the January reset. Um, for me, it's like I like FTR, but a little bit for the wrong reasons because I too want um, the House of Black to win those bouts. I love that team instantly. They feel yeah. like a proper big deal. The titles feel like it'll legitimize the act as it still sort of grows within AEW. So I would go with FTR, but it's again, it's for the wrong reasons. It's because they're there to be beaten for the time being. Mm-hmm. And that's not really, we're not watching that as fans. You kind of tune in as analysts to say, this is going to be the. This is going to be a bit of a rub. This is going to be a big, a, a credibility win for Jurassic Express when they need it, rather than just being able to invest in a in a story that feels particularly earned. I suppose the the, uh, the saving grace you could do there if FTR are in the title picture and lose is, and I just keep saying this until I will it into existence. FTR are down in the dumps. They've lost, and if you don't go, which I really like the route of, of the Young Bucks as well, but if you don't go in that direction. Briscoe's debut on the pay-per-view, and then people go, oh, don't care about the records, I just want to see these these guys fight. And, you know, like that sort of thing, like let's say, for example, they're licking their wounds in the ring, lights off, lights on. This is very Tony Khan, it's very AW. It'd create a, a moment on the pay-per-view that people would remember. You can't rule stuff like that out if they're mm. just looking for a quick way to get FTR on the next thing. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. In terms of the other titles, TNT title, Sammy Guevara holds, of course, at the moment, and the TBS title, Jade Cargill. Do you see them being defended on this show? Is this the one where Jade Cargill faces uh, Nyla Rose, a a more sort of higher level opponent? And and Sammy has obviously got the the face of the revolution match to determine his next opponent, but does he defend on the show as well? Yeah, I will say this for... um AEW, they've at least, even if they've not been so overt about it, I think they've at least shown you glimpses of the possible matches if you're going to put these on pay-per-view. Nyla Rose for the TBS title feels just right. They've just lined up a couple of wins in line with the fact that she's been, like, really funny. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and I, I don't, like, sort of say that in a trivial way as well, in a way that she's adding stuff to her act as well as improving in the ring. The title run was necessary when she first had it because she was a kind of a big original start with AEW and it was important to give her a run and help her try and legitimise the belt while the belt legitimised her. Subjectively, it works, but I, you know, I don't know if people remember that too much. Mm. Now she feels like she's actually grown into becoming a, a mainstream television star. And I think the Jade Cargill match would represent the functioning meritocracy that AEW tries to uphold, the idea that somebody has put together wins, been given deserved placement on television, and then gets a shot. Um, in stark contrast to that, because they kind of just do do that with the men, um, I was shown a glimpse of Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara, and it immediately made both men feel more important. Them coming face-to-face when Darby Allen made the save for Sammy on Rampage made Darby Allen versus Andrade look pedestrian television filler and made Sammy Guevara just for a second look like he might have a legitimate title challenger on his hands. It made me realise that nothing they're doing is becoming of pillar behaviour. Again, ever since it's been canonised, I actually think it's done damage to these two in particular and I would love to see them prove themselves as pillars on a pay-per-view in a title match and probably elevate the prestige of the TNT title in the process as well. I love the idea of the pillars. I don't disagree necessarily with my esteemed colleague's statement, um, but what happened to Revolution 2020? Sammy Guevara had a match with Darby Allen. I love the idea of them running them running that back two years later when they've both really have advanced. Yeah, it's boys to men stuff in it. Like, absolutely, yeah. I love the idea of the contrast on that specific stage, how it brings into focus. Not only is it cool that these two guys have ascended, and isn't that 
like a reward for your long-term investment mm-hmm. as an AEW mm-hmm. fan, but it kind of, in an indirect way, lets you know, like, Jesus Christ, if I invest in, like, Daniel Garcia and Lee Moriarty and Dante Martin now at Revolution 2024, they could be fighting for these belts, and it's just really, like, deft, yeah. deft, like, long-term booking is... is it's a tapestry, not just in this individual program. Um, I don't know where it goes. I can kind of see, genuinely, given how stacked this show could potentially be, as we'll get to, the TBS and TNT titles kind of being treated as television titles and not being defended yeah. at all. And that's one route they could take, because there's nothing that screams out for me on the TBS side. I've been a fan of Cargill's run. But the problem with booking such a one-sided domination run like this is who's really a credible challenger at this point? Um, take on T, potentially. Um, run back Red Velvet I'd like to see mm. that but it doesn't necessarily in the nicest way scream pay-per-view caliber but you know a five minute match with one great hope spot like something like the Anna J versus Cargill match would be great at a pay-per-view because I totally over-delivered but there's no real guarantees of that mm. um, so I don't know about the TNT and TBS title matches being defended at all they could maybe do a bump of dynamite before or after like really pushing those yeah, titles yeah yeah in terms of the TNT title, though, of course, we've got this face of the revolution ladder yes. match. One name already in there, Keith Lee, uh, their newest arrival. Who else makes up the field for you? Well, and who is, is the face of the revolution? Well, this is bizarre. Well, not bizarre, but it's complicated because it's sort of a lot of different strands are kind of diverging outwards now. Like the Darby Allen Andrade thing makes me think, could they just be... Because they'd be incredible in a ladder match together. So could they be involved in it alongside Keith Lee? We've seen Wardlow um, mentioned by MGF as you need to go and win that TNT title to be the face of the revolution. And then you give that to me. So that's four potential names if, in fact, they don't run a TNT title match. And from there, it's just kind of a pick em. Who's a guy that you don't want to push just yet, but you want to give a iconic highlight reel spot moment to on the pay-per-view so people will remember it and think... It's like a clue almost over who to invest in because, again, your investment actually means something. It could pay off down the line. When they gave like Jungle Boy music, uh, licensed music, everyone thought, all oh, right, it's worth tracking him for yeah. like 2021. And lo and behold, he had like an absolutely terrific breakthrough year. So the problem is that there are simply too many wrestlers in AEW at this <laughs> point who are worth giving such a spot to. But off the top of my head, like Dante Martin in a ladder match. That's what I was thinking. Terrifying yeah. as it would be, mind-blowing, inventive, creative, genuinely like the scope for a seminal moment involving Dante Martin. So he's my pick on Flip What's yours? I would love, on the Dante Martin front, or like Dante Martin adjacent type wrestlers, I would love Daniel Garcia to not particularly want to climb a ladder to get his success, but to get it anyway, to do enough of the like breaking of the bodies on the ground floor before then climbing the ladder. The old Dave Taylor. The old Dave Taylor grabbing the sonic ring at the end and just being like carried out by 2.0. Like the fight, like the three of them deserve a win somewhere down the line. It's obviously going to come for Garcia rather than it's going to come for them. So the idea that they get that. My big pitch for this because I'm in love with Keith Lee, by the way, he should win. I fell in love with them all over again. It was week. it was great. It was just yeah. so and typically as well, the um the title match is just for a TV special a few weeks later. So what what they've established there is the opportunity for somebody that maybe you wouldn't expect to win to win. So if it was a Wardler, you know in reality that's only feeding into the next angle. It doesn't mean the person that wins has to win the title. This is different um narratively from money in the bank, yeah. isn't it? It comes with a different expectation. My favourite choice for this, maybe not to win it, but certainly just to 
elevate this match on the night. One year on from the night when it really, when the booze became clearer than ever, is Cody Rhodes signing his contract on a condition that he has entered as the last man without having to qualify as the face of the revolution. Not only would it be yet more fun dickhead stuff from Cody, but it almost speaks to the, it actually almost applies some logic to that insane promo he cut in front of a ladder, no less, where he kind of resented other people for being the face of his revolution. You know, guys, can't we just give some sympathy to the bank? <laughs> like, the, this idea that, like, this is what he's kind of owed after last year's. You know, I would have won it last year, but I was injured. Am I right, guys? Looking on just more booze upon booze upon yeah. booze. Sort of perfectly in keeping. There's not a lot else for him to do on this card. Um, I don't know that there's truthfully a lot that people are shouting for him to do on this card. Yeah. But returning from this awesome ladder match to just enter another one to get another run at Sammy. I think it's quite funny. Like, Keith Lee could pounce him, and then all of a sudden, oh, and like out of the an ring. Absolute hero's reception. Enormous for pop for that. Cody goes flying. You've taken you've taken the threat of Cody winning out the way, and you've potentially built Keith Lee and Cody as a feud going forward. There's It's it's Cody stuff. that He could set up a million angles with everybody in there if he's in it. I really like that. Um, the only thing I would add is, so we, we've got Keith Lee, Wardlow, Darby Allen, Andrade, uh, I'd make it a seven. I'd make it announce six, and then on the night say, ladies and gentlemen, I've just been informed that there's a <laughs> seventh entrant, and it make it Cody just for the heat. Um, but I'd have my other two people be Dante Martin and Powerhouse Hobbs, so I can have a moment between Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs, please. The Joker is always something to consider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We haven't considered that. It's a good bullet point for the copy to get there. <laughs> What about Johnny Gargano as a Joker? Oh, I'm yes. I'm fairly certain that Candice Michelle, uh, not Candice Michelle, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's not been doing anything naughty, I don't think. Um, Candice looked goddamn Ray, Jesus Christ. Um, due this month, yeah. Due this month. Yeah. So, love the idea. Bad to work. Bad to work for Well, it all depends day. how much the baby's sleeping, isn't it? We've, we've lived that life. It's like, I'm really sorry, work's on the phone, I'm going to have to go. <laughs> it's a very, like, misogynistic thing, realistically. Say, oh, yeah, he'd be all right. Bad to work. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, the first month of uh, having a child is incredibly intense, so his performance level might not be great, but at the same time, you kind of want to break. It's very intense. We're, we so are pitching. Like, oh, I love the idea of, like, oh, yeah, yeah, just, I'm so, like, knackered and exhausted with this baby. I need a break. Do you want to um, really hurt yourself in a ladder match? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, it. I We're pitching a multi-man ladder match on a pay-per-view as Johnny Gargano's first full night sleep in a month. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. <laughs> Um, now, the Young Bucks were conspicuous by their absence, as you mentioned, in, in terms of the tag team title match. But you think there's some other things they can do on this card? Yes, absolutely. They did intimate on Dynamite that they were after the titles again, so that could allude to the fact that they're going to be working Jurassic Express at the pay-per-view. They had an absolute banger on Dynamite in the summer. It was one that led to the cage match. What an incredible match that was. So they could run that back. Um, if they don't, a great potential pay-per-view opener would be a 10-man tag. And I'll tell you how I'll book it and why. Uh, Adam Cole versus Hangman Page is obviously your main event. Mm -hmm. I think the true drama in how Hangman Page could drop that title, it doesn't really seem viable or feasible yet, but the way to make you think that it is would have um, Adam Cole call on the help of the Young Bucks and Red Dragon all at once to put the heat on... Um, Hangman Page and Weakenham ahead of the pay-per-view. There's intrigue there because stemming from the events of Full Gear, the Young Bucks are kind of like, there's a tacit respect. Mm, yeah. Not going to no longer mess with his because 
one, he's going to threaten to kick our ass, and two, have we kind of got a begrudging respect for him now because they thought oh, our dickhead tactics didn't really get as far against Jurassic Express and Christian. Is the elite still alive after yeah, all? Yeah, after all of that. So the idea is that there's loads of potential tension in uh, Matt and Nick Jackson accidentally costing Hangman, whether they want to ca- uh, cost Hangman, whether a miscommunication, accidental or deliberate, there's loads of way to pile drama on that main event. So to build it, you do that. Obviously, Hangman Page is still loosely associated with the Dark Order, who hmm. can be brought back into the mix. And a big staple of AEW storytelling is factions, fighting factions, and the factions of the uh, people in main events that do supplementary matches to build them. That gets brought out to the opener, like an insane Young Bucks multi-man with Jay White, the Young Bucks, and Red Dragon versus Uno Grayson, Silver Reynolds, and Cabana, or five or ten, or whoever, mm-hmm. um, in a just an exhilarating Young Bucks special could feed into the main event. If there's a miscommunication between the Bucks and Red Dragon, that could feed into their major match deeper in the year. There's loads of narrative possibilities to play with via the vehicle of just an insane, exhilarating multi-man opening sprint. In terms of other exciting matches, uh, is this where we get Jericho and, and Kingston and maybe even Moxley and Danielson? I think you could do both. I would expect at least one of those. Um, it was odd. We're recording this just after the Dynamite where John Moxley stood in as CM Punk's partner for the night, and that was a pause on the pretty cool story they're telling with him and Brian Danielson. Which is going to be followed up on Rampage, if I'm not mistaken, I believe. Danielson, Danielson Talks. Danison talks. So by the time people are listening to this, there may have been the revelation of the, the dojo, the dragon's den, or whatever it's going to be. Yes. I like that so much. With only three weeks left, I'm not opposed to getting past revolution. However, it does sort of feel like it was there designed to drop in on that paper. So I would expect that. There's going to have to be a lot of acceleration to get there. Unlike Jericho Kingston, which I think is just about pitched perfectly as long as, as, long as Eddie Kingston's fit and good to go. I think they've done a really great job with the inner circle split. I think they've, I'd like to think, that they've listened to the responses to both Jericho and Kingston separately and together and pivoted from that very first night when the commentators were instructed to say, why is Eddie Kingston so annoyed with Chris Jericho? It didn't feel (laughs) real. It felt like like Michael Cole bollocking you into feeling a certain way about the wrestlers, and that wasn't how anybody felt. And I'd like to think that the listening company have done it yet again and have, as a result, pivoted to this Chris Jericho heel turn. Everybody's listened, in fact, Jericho included, and has spotted you are going out there to die if you expect to get cheered against Eddie Kingston. CM Punk didn't manage it, watch of you got so you get this match um from the very beginning there was we all like looked at this with a bit of a wry eye of this not being so much about jericho giving somebody the rub as it was about getting one himself mm. dare i say with him as a heel putting over kingston he might do it after all you kind of can't argue against eddie kingston yet again circling the aw world title if he defeats chris jericho on pay-per-view this could end really really well uh, finally, Sige, uh, there is a match with a, well, a rematch, I should say, presumably set for the pay-per-view uh, that you've been calling for from the, arguably the moment these two really started getting together, CM Punk and MJF I'm talking about. Uh, and it's a, it's a stipulation match that is becoming more and more clear as the weeks go by. Yeah, and no, I predicted it months ago. Uh, you might think I'm an unbearable smoke tosser. <laughs> Out there on the YouTube comments, couldn't give a toss. Who else is one? Roddy Piper. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I've noticed they've been dropping, they obviously have a shared admiration, hero worship of Roddy Piper. They're both incredibly influenced by the man. So it's no sort of surprise that they've each been like sort of saying, oh, you're no Roddy Piper, or I'm a better Roddy Piper than you. 
in their promos. But if you add that, the repeated Piper reference, it's like nothing happens on this show by accident. It's total nerd fodder, and I'm a total nerd. They've been dropping Piper references frequently. Apologies to the mega fans because I've been saying this quite a lot, but I'm certain it's building towards this. If it isn't, I'll be kind of pissed off at this point. Mm. The repeated Piper references. What was Roddy Piper's most famous match before he did? His most famous match outside of WWE was famously a dark collar match with Greg Valentine. So, that combined with the fact that MGF has been repeatedly running away. They didn't even touch, uh, uh, was it the Christmas special? Yeah, the six-man tag, yeah. Yeah, so they didn't touch once. The whole idea is that up until very recently, MGF has been literally running scared like a dog from CM Punk. So that combined with the Piper references, the fact that it needs a stipped-up rematch. Like, the, the babyface needs a fair fight where the guy simply cannot run away. He is tethered to him. I just think they're having a dog collar match. It's something that AEW's only done once, so it's not an oversaturated mm-hmm. gimmick. It's uh, double-juice mayhem potential. Like, CM Punk's really good at fighting. Not real fighting. But he's really good at emulating fighting and struggling. I just think it would be a perfect stipulation for the pair of them. I think they've been building to it from day one. If you look at the uh, the actual first match they had on Dynamite, the tape around the neck, mm-hmm. I think that imagery was very much on purpose. Um, I forget the uh, follow-up on Twitter apologies, but they mentioned that the scarf around the neck of MJF before he slipped away. That was sort of potentially foreshadowing this match that I've been basically calling for months, and I'm going to be annoyed if we don't see it. An alternative suggestion, people said a cage match. They've only done one singles cage match, so that too is special, but I just think the Piper fandom mm. will inform the actual step. Yeah, love it. I've adored it since hearing it as a pitch for the first time. It's a feud that, and I've been critical of this with AEW lately, it's a feud that actually warrants the big double-juice, gory fight-to-the-death sort of thing that they've bastardised a little bit, but this feud has earned it. Um, CM Punk has earned this against MJF. You know, he's earned this revenge. Um, MJF is brilliant at taking these beatings when he absolutely has to. They've dragged it out brilliantly. And as we've said all along as well, the whole thing, the, somehow this dream program between MJF and CM Punk, this class of ages, has been a Trojan horse for the Wardlow babyface turn. Yes. So as the rest of the story has been, it can, there, it can be there existing for itself on the night and yet existing for something entirely different for yet another tease of, you know, will Wardlow, will this be the night? Will this be sort of what we think is going to happen again because of the passing of the ring the first time, will it be something but the other way next time around? The fact that that can just hang in the air while we get a dog collar bloodbath is inspired and is the reward that this programme has deserved. This feud, let's be honest, like the Adams in the world title match are going to struggle to build in three weeks to build something as prestigious as mm. what this is going to be on the night. Yeah, can't wait. Really hopeful for something like that. But let us know your thoughts on everything we discussed and your predictions in the comments section below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, of course. Plus, you can let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch that. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. I can order Sidgwick brilliant book being all elite becoming all elite even the rise of AEW on Amazon uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn follow us all at what culture WWEs I said but for now this has been get the table my thanks to the Dadley boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon hold up 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.